Hello, this is Chris O'Regan, and you're listening to The Sausage Factory. This is episode 377 of The Sausage Factory. Welcome. In this episode, I chat to Christian Lomach of North Play about the action-adventure game Headland. Many in the gaming fraternity, if that's the right phrase, and I am part of that, have largely left mobile games behind. It's true, we don't really do it anymore. We go off and play... Games on PS5 or PC, and something's gone kind of full circle. Remember that 15 years ago, people were going mobile game mad, but now it's not so much, really, uh, because it's all got gacha games and stuff. That's, you know, a thing, and it happens, and it exists, and that's fine. However, there are full games, you know, full games, and they're right. They're not games that are designed or developed for um, gouging money out of you every 20 seconds. They're just regular games and they do appear on mobile and now they're making their way onto the more now we know traditional platforms and this is one of them headland is comes from a, a mobile platform a mobile heritage and it's now moved on to the switch and it's, it, it's a great great game it's really well put together of course it is because that's why they're on the show and the games that are well put together are actually featured on the show and this one it's very special. Knew nothing about it. I'm embarrassed to say. When I got my teeth into it and saw it for myself, it's, it's quite something. It's very inventive. The combat system is very unique. Really enjoyed it, and it's it's not too difficult. It's not too long, but that doesn't matter. It's still fun, and in, I, I really had a great time with it. And uh, well, I really had a great time chatting to Christian about it. So let's hear me do that very thing from the recent past. Chris, take it away. Christian. Hello. Who are you and what do you do? Um, well, I'm a game designer. It's always a little bit hard to ask, answer that question because I, I do game design, but I also do a lot of the things around it. Basically, almost everything except audio. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, I'm doing a bit of everything, but... Uh, yeah, mainly game design and 3D art as well, yeah. Okay, and you're... Just want to make this clear, you are with Northplay. That's, That's correct, yeah. Yes. yeah. So you have a position within Northplay of some description. It looks yes. like many hats, but yes, you are a member. I think it's, it says game designer on the description, yeah. It does, it does. Yeah, yeah. So how did you make your start making video games? Um... Well, I always uh, liked to draw and uh, like doing art and that kind of thing. But uh, I had a real passion of playing video games. And then when I figured out that it was actually possible to make them as well, I, uh, I, I started to pursue that. 
I took a bit of a detour going to a design school uh, where I learned a lot of other things than video games. And I tried to turn every single project I worked on into a game of some sort because that's where my, my passion was. So, uh, but yeah, when I, when I finished, I just, I entered a game jam. I um, made a game with some of the people there and then we ended up working on that afterwards. And I needed a place where I could, I could work on that in, uh, in Copenhagen, where I live. So I found this place called uh, Spillhuset, which translates to the House of Games or the Game House, um, which is the co-working space where North Plate, the company I'm with now, is residing. So as you can probably deduct, they, uh, they snatched me. <laughs> and uh, I've been here for five years, years now. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, to be so. It's quite interesting when game uh, fans are presented with a project, and then immediately go, "How can I turn this into a game of some sort?" Yeah. <laughs> so okay. clearly, I'm trying to ask you to do a, a spreadsheet on crop rotation in the 14th century. I know, yeah. but I'm turning it into a video game. Please stop. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> Can't stop me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we just want to hear about geography and the evolution of agriculture. No, we don't. We want to yeah, play a video no, game. No. Want to have fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, learn by doing and stuff and learn by, you know, playing, etc. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, there are limits. There are times when, when trying to interpret Chaucer shouldn't be turned into a video game. Some would argue against that. <laughs> um, so I'm just trying to share my own educational background why I've gone into old, old agriculture I don't know they're just the most obscure things that popped into my head <laughs> but I appreciate well that I appreciate that and the fact that you just pursued it doggedly sounds like no matter what because still although less no, it's less so now but there's mm -hmm. a, a stigma attached to game development and the industry around it and not people of a certain age of a certain generation don't really understand it. Uh, yeah, it's still yeah, that's true. It, it's kind of nice that it's it's become less because I remember going to high school and was not really re revealing that part of myself that that was one of my my passions just because it was yeah wasn't really that cool or yeah, but uh, I'm really glad I, I stuck with that. <laughs> yeah, because now it's less friction i'm not saying it's gone away far from it. it's still there but it's not yeah. as bad as it used to be people just treat games like they treat films now that's a lot of people do yeah certainly millennials and that kind of thought that kind of younger generation for my own generation that's still it's still a bit difficult for many and then olders and it always bothers me how why are game reviews in the tech pages why why yeah, are they that's in the true. tech pages why there's just media it's a medium just like film or you don't have literature in the tech pages because it's on, written in a book because a book no. is a piece of technology and it's like well, yeah. so why are you it's because that's the the editors and the owners of those are of that generation who believe all forms of games or anything like that related to computers that oh that's computer stuff isn't it put it in tech that yeah. until they go away until they retire and stop that's they're going to remain there and that's, you know, so it's just, it always bothers me. But to hear that you, in despite that, you know, I'm sure you have some relatives and I've all have, you know, we all have those relatives like, are you still doing the game thing? Are you going to get a proper yeah. job? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's always, it's hard to explain to my like grandparents, for example, mostly yes. because they can't relate to what it is that I'm doing, right? It's like yeah. such a new, new medium. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and you try to equate it to other mediums, and it can be done to a point. Mm. But um, no, it's good to know that you you stuck at it doggedly. Good, good on yeah. you. Yeah, thanks. Uh, <laughs> so, here's the next question then, and it's the it is the dreaded third question because it's horrible and open and nebulous. But I've kept it in the show all these years because I'm asking you either to represent North Play or yourself, Christian, or both. I don't mind. But this question mm. is important because um, you uh, it's 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 important because you are a creator, and as a creator, you must be influenced by something, and that's really the question. What do you believe are your biggest influences as a creator? 
Hmm. Yeah, it's a good question. Um, it's probably a mix of a lot of uh, different things. Uh, of course, other video games. Like uh, I really enjoy playing games, and I lo- love playing uh, very different games. Um, like trying them out, feeling how their mechanics are and stuff, uh, seeing how people make all sorts all sorts of different kinds of graphics and novel ways. Uh, but I think it's also like when I get the most inspired to make games is usually when I take a complete break from either playing or working, right? It's usually when I go on vacation and like uh, out seeing things in the world and then all of a sudden like this game idea hits me that just won't leave my, my mind and it, it's hard to sleep and everything. <laughs> so... I think sometimes just relaxing and taking a break can be the most uh, inspiring things as well. Your imagination really starts to uh, kick in and uh, get free roam when it's not forced to do anything. So when you have lucid thoughts and you find yourself drifting off because we all do because we're human beings and we have a right to do that sometimes, that is where you find inspiration and thought and clarity of thought we all you know standing in the shower in the morning going oh well that's a good idea definitely yeah yeah. it's definitely standing in the shower or you know going to bed you haven't had a single thought about like a creative thought during the day but then when you go to bed put your head on the pillow then all of a sudden all the ideas come and you you can't sleep for several hours. Yeah, exactly. Because yes, yeah. I should do this. I do this. Yeah. Why are you doing this to me, brain? Why why, yeah. why do you why do you do this? I torture me with me with this yeah. right now. <laughs> this is not fair. It's just not yeah. now. Couldn't you have done this at ten a.m. this morning? No. <laughs> that ten a.m. Exactly. would have been nice because I yeah, can deal it... with that. I can actually do now. I'm trying to shut down, but no. Yeah. Thanks, brain. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I think it's a wonderful response. Lucid thought. That's very abstract. Some people point to certain mediums or other games or developers and stuff, but you said no. The mere act of lucid thought. Because everyone bangs the drum about lateral thinking, right? But that's a form of processing information and then blinking it together. That's not lucid thought at all. Um, no. So, yeah, and I think yes, the the, the mere act of of, of, of just recognizing that it exists and it has value, because many people don't. Many people think it's a distraction, an annoyance, and indeed, you and I have chuckled about it sometimes it can be an annoyance and distraction because you're lying yeah. in the bed at one a.m. going, "Please go to sleep. I can't think about this anymore." <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> so often, if I'm just stuck on uh, something, I would also just take a walk. I guess it's just like giving my brain space to just, uh, yes. to just be instead of uh, forcing it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's a good value. I think another thing is, uh, is like uh, the games I used to play as a kid. Uh-huh. They, they really stick with me. Like uh, some of the first couple of games, I remember my dad gave me a, a Rayman game. Right. Uh, like the, uh, they had a learning Rayman game at that point, which was oh, fun. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I remember jumping, trying to jump over the first uh, like uh, pit and falling in and doing it several times until I started crying. I was like, no, I'm never going to play this shit again. <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> I uh, just uh, picked it up and was completely hooked. There was just something there. Beautiful looking game, certainly the earlier ones. But then you start playing it. Uh-huh. Ah. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah, these... Oh, this the sprite detection and the, you know now we stuff we know now like it breaks every rule, and there's a exactly. rule those, those rules existed. I mean, there's some rules that are there to be broken, but some that are there for good yeah. reason. And yes, uh, it was. It's just, so hard to go back to those games sometimes, right? Because yeah. it's so we've learned so much collectively. I think, which is one, nice to see. Raymond Legends and stuff like that that came out on the Wii yeah. U and stuff like that. Great that's, platformers. That's great. That's one of my yeah, favorite yeah, Wii yeah. U games, believe yeah. it or not. Um, but um, when it comes to the, you know, then when they were originally released on various platforms, uh, even I think the Jaguar received it and Rayman appeared on a lot of platforms. Um, yeah. uh, it's, um, 
Yeah, they don't, they don't hold up. They don't stand scrutiny. It's not really worth wasting your time. Definitely not. No, I think yeah. when I revisit those, it's mostly to see the the weird world. It is yes. like they have all these weird things, and that's yeah. that's giving me a lot of inspiration. Like those completely random worlds and yeah. characters and stuff. Yeah, I like the, that. And the enemies and stuff like that. Um, yeah. I must admit, I personally, if I may sort of share. My personal earlier games, I'm I'm a child of the, the 80s, 70s, so my first games were really, really, really basic, but they were still pivotal and important. Um, I mean, my first video game ever was Pong. It really was. Wow. So, yeah, that's the first uh, game. <laughs> yeah, I, I've said it before on the show, apologies everyone, but 1977 was a big year for me because not only did I say play Pong for the first time, I also went to see Star Wars. Poor kid, Whoa. poor Chris. You know, how could he cope? He was only six years old. Just, come on. On one year. Yeah, the same year. It's like, <laughs> universe should have given Chris a break, but no, Star Wars and video games. There you go. Knock yourself oh, out. Yeah, yeah no. an, addict, an addict for life there. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Destiny yeah. set. There you go. So, yeah, yeah the, 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 my, my path was laid before me when I was a wee little child. Yes. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Next question, then. Great answer, by the way. It's a fantastic answer. And this one's a little Thanks. bit difficult, too. And um, But um, it's still, very, again, very important because it recognises, I believe, your place in things and the and in the industry. So the, yeah. the query is this. Um, what developer do you most admire in the industry and why? It could be oh. a person, could be a company, but you say point to them and go, "You there, you keep doing what you're doing." Yeah, that's that's a good question. Uh, yeah, I think uh, maybe a person that I've always admired yeah. would be the the creator of uh, Rayman. Uh, I huh? think his name is yeah. Michel Angel or something yes. like that. It's uh, a French name, yeah. 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 Ansel. Yeah. yeah. Um, like I always admired his his works. I really liked uh, how he is as a creator. But I think maybe as a, like a studio or something that I really uh, admire and I would love to try to be in would be something like Bethesda in when they were making Skyrim Oblivion or something like that. I really admire how they are just like big nerds making this huge fantasy world and just putting everything that they love into it. Yeah. And yeah. it's the fifth time they did it. Yeah. I keep on reminding people that, do you know about Arena? What? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> then there's Daggerfall. What? Yeah, then, then there's yeah. Morrowind. Then, then there's Oblivion. <laughs> and, and then Skyrim. And then Skyrim. Like, they've been they, doing they this some for practice. a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah they've yeah. been doing it for a while. Yeah. Uh, and in fact, you can actually buy or get Daggerfall for free. They just give it away. They just gave it away. So there you go. Wow. You have it. So you can play it. I, I don't think I've played anything before Morrowind or something like that. Yeah. Kind yeah. of. I think yeah. wasn't Morrowind the first like open big open world that they made? The other ones yes. were. The other ones were. Yeah. more dungeon crawly to say. That right. Yeah. Story. Yeah. It, uh, I feel like they 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 found their formula when they were making Morrowind. Indeed. People do yeah. celebrate Morrowind, and rightly so. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, I always really liked um, Oblivion for yeah. some of the quirkiness of it. Uh, oh, me get... too. I, that was when I got into it. I really yeah. loved that. And, and re do you remember how the graphics were back then, like in Oblivion, when you saw that the first time? My I point. wish I could see how it was again like that because yeah. it's just impossible to like go. now it looks bad but then yeah. it was just yeah. beautiful going out and just the, the the Bethesda moment is there now I believe some people refer to it as when you open the door and you're, you're pushed yeah. out to the landscape and there it is the whole world's before you and like yeah. there you go off, off, your, off, off your pop have, have fun if you can I think Try that's so time. amazing it's a really really powerful thing yeah it but is. it also takes a big uh, big team and a lot of commitment to make that sort of game it's not something you could do as a couple of people <laughs> no I still regret mainlining Skyrim I did mm. I did should never yeah. have done that my advice to anyone picking up that game or any other sort of broad RPG like The Witcher 3 or something like that don't don't mainline it because you miss a lot 
Uh, but I think it's mostly the Bethesda games that where you can actually not do that, right? They make it like an option because when you play The Witcher 3, for example, you yeah. can do your side things, but you know you have to get back on the main road and just yeah. go through yeah. the story, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, well, I just, I just all I did is I kept on following the same icon, going, oh, there's a, there's a cave over there. And I was going, yeah, but this main this quest yeah but let's get i know but quest yeah, yeah. and i'll just i love on that doing distraction that. yeah and i wouldn't i wouldn't go i wouldn't deviate off it no no i've got to no. got to do the thing and i did and, uh, and it was a mistake <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's, there's a whole host of reasons but no good good responses it's good uh, yeah. bethesda i've got a lot of time for um they said they've made a lot of wrong decisions for large studios they all do everyone does yeah but, um, I yeah, I think lately they've gotten a lot of slack for what they've uh, like the Fallout seventy six and those yeah. kind of things. Yeah, was a, uh, that was a. Mistake. I still have hope for the 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 next title, the what's it called Starfield or something Starfield. that's coming out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that's cautiously it's, optimistic. Cautiously optimistic. Let's see how yeah. it goes. Is it going to be more yeah. like the Expanse? I think it sounds looks like it's going to be. If you're familiar, oh, yeah. familiar that's, with that. That's a cool player fantasy, I think. It is, but having like yeah. Newtonian physics in space games has. You know, I'm looking at you, Outer Wilds, uh, which I adore, by the way. But a lot of people yeah. do not like Outer Wilds for one reason: it's because of the the controls. They are so difficult. But for me, I didn't find it a problem at all. I loved it. But yeah. I feel sorry for those who can't get past that. You know. <laughs> but yeah, let's see how it goes. I, I like. Yeah. I hope it is a bit expanse-like. So I do like that universe. I think it's a fascinating yeah. one. It is pretty cool. Yeah. So, speaking of playing games, we are here on a podcast about video games. And therefore, Christian, you may or may not be aware of this, but there's actually a legal remit that was set down by the podcast gods back in 2003. Oh. And it says that if we are talking about video games, we have to talk about what we're playing, apparently. <laughs> so, over to you, Christian. Great point. <laughs> yeah, what are you playing right now? Uh, I feel like I'm playing a new game every other day at the moment. It's just like very... Uh capricious uh, then really can't really stick with one thing uh-huh. uh i've been playing like taking up uh, a game called uh, rim world again now right i don't know if you know it, yeah i do yes it's an extraordinary yeah. game um yeah uh, yeah I, I, I get confused between it and factorio they're the same oh, genre really? but they are very different I think you should confuse it a bit more with uh, Dwarf Fortress, actually. Dwarf Fortress, really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a bit more like... uh, I think they they proclaim themselves that it's like a story generator where you you make your own story, which I think it's pretty accurate. It's like you have these colonists that land on a barren world and then you have to make your, your settlement and stuff. But I think the main thing is the quirks that your little guys have. Some of them are like uh, pyromaniacs or they are like, they, they can only work at night or like they have all these weird things oh, that make right. them they have all to... these neuroses, don't they? All the characters yeah, exactly, have yeah. incredibly yeah. Like, difficult to manage neuroses where like he'll work fine provided it's not in the room of anyone else because he yeah. had a, a, like trauma <laughs> as a child. And all this sort exactly. of stuff. Like, this one will only work during the hours of three and seven. <laughs> and if you gave them a piece of cheese, then yeah. they're golden. That's they're the best. <laughs> if you don't do any of those two things, then it's just a waste of space. Basically, you're just going on a rampage, probably. Yeah. Exactly, and it's so much fun because it could easily have been like an ant manager, right? Where you're just managing your little guys to do whatever is best and like optimizing it. But instead, you're trying to. You're just having fun with the weird things that they get up to, like yeah. uh, with their weird quirks and stuff. Like, yeah, it's it's, uh, it's it's always good entertainment, yeah. But it can really suck you in. It's like I think I have a two or three hundred hours on my in my game or something like that. It's just when it spirals out of control, and yeah. it's just like, oh, oh, there, yeah. there we go. Well, I tried. Never yeah. Mind. <laughs> well, I mean, Maybe I should I, stop now. <laughs> you know, the best intentions, you know. Paved, paved, you know, paved with uh, the road to hell. That's exactly yeah. what happened. <laughs> and it's just exactly. really beautifully, simply modelled, you know. And like, oh, yeah. I, I start. I had every intention of making this colony survive, but Dave over there, who is insistent on his cheese on Tuesdays, <laughs> I didn't. You didn't get it, and it, that, that all hell broke loose. 
wasn't yeah. my fault. It was Dave's fault. <laughs> All point back to Dave. Yeah. He's not getting the cheese. <laughs> not getting the cheese. <laughs> Stupid game. Um, yeah. But, uh, no, that's really good. No, it's it's. Um, I'm not going to lie to you and say, oh yeah, it's very meditative. No, no, it is. No. <laughs> no. Yeah. There are some games that are like threes. That mm. is. But you know, yeah. <laughs> so oh yeah. I still Actually, I, I fooled myself the other day by playing a game I thought was meditative before okay. going to sleep. Right. It's a it's a game called the Dorf Romantic. It's a, a recent game. Okay. Where you're just like laying down tiles, like settler style, building okay. a, a nice little environment with right. the forest and houses yeah. and everything. And then I played it for three hours straight, and when I went to bed. I just couldn't get that <laughs> mental image of rotating these hex tiles yep. the right yeah. way. Right and right. I could, yeah, yeah it was right. terrible. Yeah. So, very much the other sort of meditative for me there. Yeah, that was a, never mind. Yeah. Thanks, brain. Did it again to yeah. you? Again, it's, yeah. It's, I swear, this human sentient brain is out to destroy us. Anyway. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> that's the end of the first <laughs> half. Hmm. Well done. You made it. Good stuff. Thank you. Second half then, where we delve deep into Headland. First question, regular listeners will know, isn't really a question. Because we really can't talk about Headland until we know what it is. It's not fair on the listener. So, in your own words, Christian, best of luck with this. <laughs> what is Headland? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let me see. It's, um, I would say it's a, a tiny action RPG uh, with a, an neat little story about a boy called Noor who is growing up and he is struggling to uh, hold on to his Im imagination and his imaginary world called Headland. And uh, yeah. That's, that's quite yeah. profound. Yeah. Because I, I, I think between the pair of us, if I may say, and this sounds, this sounds a bit projection-like because one thing I've held on to over the years is my sense of imagination. That's great. And I think, you know, in my, you know I'm in my fifth decade now and I've still got it. I don't know how I managed to hold on. But I think it's just... That's, really, a, that's a good job, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's really important to have that because you encounter people who lose it. Yeah. And that's really hard to cope with because mm. they can't see the world the same way you can. No, and that's where I, what I got from Headland is it's a wonderful name for the game. Is it's it's you know it's in his head. It's just like why do we need to let go? Not to the point where you become disassociated with reality. In fact, if anything, you get far a greater focus on reality because you can model things in your mind mm. and then create trends and understand and create things. 
those who lose that ability, and there are do there are people who do lose that ability to picture things and visualize things based on a sound or a smell or some other um, trigger. Um, yeah, they don't have that. They lose that ability. Whereas, um, and I'm not putting myself above anyone. Far from it. I'm just saying I have these abilities, as do you, Christian. Uh, neither of us take it for granted because we always have a constant struggle because we're always faced with those spreadsheets and those tax bills, et cetera, that try to stop it from happening. So, yeah, like trying to pull us out of it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. But it's yeah. the, the way we actually go through the world. And the way you've created the headland is, you know, this, like you say, it's a very laser-focused game that deals that yeah. is an action-adventure RPG, an unapologetic one. It doesn't... Uh, push any go you know pretend to be something it isn't it genuinely is this yeah but there are some wrinkles good ones not bad ones which i'm going to explore now about headland that what struck me is unique and a different take on how things go I can see where you're borrowed from, and it's not just from CRPGs. CRPGs is a term that um, some people use, basically computer role-playing games. Um, yeah. You seem to have borrowed from JRPGs as well, and we'll talk about that in a moment. They are very different genres. They are actually conflict of each other. I don't like using that word in this show, but those two genres, CRPGs and JRPGs, don't get on at all. And um, they are very separate. They have a very different design philosophy from the outset. And when they try to merge the two, it doesn't end well at all. So, and I'm just going to explore how you've sort of been influenced by those two very different genres. In my observation, you may disagree. Mm. And that's fine. We're good to disagree. So the first question is this. In Headland, the player must earn the right to use weapons rather than just pick them up and use them. They've got to earn the pattern, find the pattern. Then they've got to go out into another dungeon and fight for that, fight resources, fight for resources and gather resources. And they've really got to earn the right to get the weapon that they desire, that they think will be most suitable for them in order to progress, to get stronger, in order to complete the game. Why? Where does this come from? Um, I think it's the idea that you, like, Noah, he, like, the main character is, um, he really likes to create things for himself. So, like, this, in the game, when you, you get the blueprint for a new weapon, it's basically him, like, coming up with a new idea for a, a weapon. And him working on like materializing that into something he can actually use um, in his world. So I think yeah, th that's the main yeah the main concept of those things. Right. Yeah. So I yeah. interpret it as being a bit like Diskear because Diskear, the famous series of JRPGs. In that mm -hmm. the weapons are dungeons themselves, so you have to go into the weapon, oh, to really? the dungeon, and then you get the weapon because you completed the dungeon in the weapon. And I thought, I've oh, never played that one. <laughs> this is from Diskia. It's not. Yeah. It's not. This is wonderful. It's 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 different. Not better. Yeah. It's different. It's been inspired by a story aspect because mm. the main character they are wanting to their their imagination is running dry. They're, they're, feeling it peter out and go and leave them and mm. they now have to then spend effort effort to imagine these things to create these yeah. things that's exactly. where it comes from rather than yeah. oh that thing in this game is kind of cool let's put it in this game yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's interesting exactly but no i love the fact that a story concept fed a, a mechanic it's not not that uncommon but a lot of game design is based on let's come up with a system, mm. a thing, an interaction, a, a mathematical model that can be manipulated and create chance and probabilities. Oh, and then we'll just envelop it with a theme. 
I recently played a, a board game that um, over the weekend. It's incredibly complicated. Really had a good fun with it though, but we realised if we come after it, we go. I don't rec- the theme isn't really recognised any of this. Just oh. none of it. Yeah, it, was just, <laughs> it was just mechanics. Yeah, was just, this is all. Me- yeah, it could have been anything. We could have been trading yeah. potatoes for all we care. Yeah. It wasn't. It, the theme was, you know, where the Earth has been evacuated because of a terrible disaster, and aliens are now coming in to to uh, extract um, uh, artifacts from it to sell to sell mm. on the gal- galactic market. Sounds fantastical, but when you play it, you go, huh? Uh, but it's such a hard job, like unifying yeah. those two, because usually yeah. when you come up with an idea, it's either like you come up with the mechanic or you come up with a with a fun theme for a game, and then like. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So one of it has to come for it first. But in this instance, the two mm. merged. I'm happy. Yeah. I'm happy. It's great. <laughs> Next question. There are times in Headland when the player gets struck to the point they are well, basically dizzy. They're sort of stunned. Mm. Yeah. And you have to do a series of button presses to regain their composure, to bring yeah. them back. Where did this come from? What was the idea behind that? Ah, oh, that's a good question. Um, I think that was one of the early things we put in the game in combat. Like, we we spent a lot of time trying to get combat to be right, and in the beginning, we wanted it to be a lot more uh, complex or have a lot more elements than what it has now. But we are very, very few people working on this game. Like, usually we were two or three people working on it at a time. Right. So not a lot of manpower um so that was one of the attempts to add uh, complexity to combat to make it more uh yeah like there would be more challenge yeah like you had to get up and originally headland was a mobile game so it was just like tapping on the screen mm. and um, then the game this uh, one of the uh, the game designers uh, we were when we were doing it for the switch he said like okay what if we try to do it where you have to push a sequence of buttons. Yeah. And I remember we were uh, not completely agreeing on that because I wanted it to be just like, okay, just press one button or like make it easy so you can get up. But he liked games that were a bit harder. So he wanted it to be a bit more uh, meticulous. Uh, right. He needed to press yeah. different uh, buttons, yeah. No, I but like I it. Yeah, yeah, I enjoy it. I think uh, it's, it's unusual. Yeah. Um, because not yeah, we, when you get hit, it's just, you know, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, and it's easy to come back from and stuff, but yeah, we, we wanted to experiment with that feature and try to make it hard, so it felt good for us. Yeah. The only interesting thing is that because I'm a, a hard sort of like more, more experienced in playing Xbox and PlayStation than I am on Nintendo machines because I'm British and, you know, it's that whole <laughs> legacy of, you know, whatever. Let's not go into that detail. Okay. <laughs> I, I switched over my A and B on my controller because oh, the A classic. has to be at the bottom and the B has to be over on the right. But yeah. when your your button thing comes up, it says, I'll press A. Yeah, but that's not over there. That's a... <laughs> Yeah, so hard to read that, right? Yeah, it's like, oh, no, they, they yeah. want me to press B, but my B is over there, not there. Never mind. It's like, I get it. I get it. And it's just a little, it made me smile. Like, that's you, Chris. That's all on you. That's not the game. Yeah. That's all on you. You're the one, you're the one that has A at the bottom. No, yeah, it's just, you know, it's just, <laughs> I just I just grind my teeth at Nintendo's like I mean I remember when they they put that feature in last year they said you can finally remap I said oh thank God oh can you really do that I didn't <laughs> yeah, know that yeah. they had made that oh, wow yeah, yeah you can remap all the buttons on your controllers now so they so I basically switched A and B around because of the so now you don't have to struggle when you switch from playing on your PlayStation to your no. Nintendo huh? yeah. <laughs> interesting I don't know if I dare to to switch now <laughs> no I'm always I'm always doing it because I was like I can't yeah. just, I just, yeah. Yeah. I'm just, it annoys me but I really like that mechanic about that you know you get knocked senseless and you've got to get up mm-hmm. and you've got to spend effort and you've got to do something about it and it won't do anything and you, you, until you until you figure this out you're going to get pummeled so yeah. um, um, so um, I mean there is sort of aspects of the game and the combat about the shield I love that idea that you can create a shield the more, the more you hit things and stuff but 
Uh, and that's something I'd like the player to discover themselves rather than delve into that. Cause, but there is a lot of layers to the combat, which um, the more you play it, the more rewarding it becomes. So I can only congratulate you for you know, the onboarding and the training and stuff is really well done. You start off with a little wooden sword and eventually you come up with something quite formidable. And it's really fun and it's really well done. Thank you. Um, <laughs> but the one I want to talk about is the environment that you find yourself in, which I know clearly it's in the, the child's mind, but it's still a lovely and beautifully rendered and very contrasting coloured environment. There's no, you know, it's really easy to see what's going on. It's very, yeah. pops out of the screen. It's a, it's a well-known tactic and not tactic, technique mm -hmm. uh, of colour color contrast. It's been around for many, many years. Thanks, Sega. Uh, and um, you know, uh, we, we it's been you know it can be used to good effect or or ill, but definitely with headland, it's really good effect. And the areas I'm going to talk about level design now because the areas of map are shown to the player in many aspects. They're not immediately accessible. They'll see you know they're walking around and say, "What's that over there? Mm. Well, how do I? That's a big chest thing. I'd like to get to that. How do I get to the thing?" And um, basically, they're not immediately accessible. So how have you found designing levels to ensure that carrots are presented to the player um, uh, without revealing the route to those carrots? How have you found designing those levels, basically showing mm -hmm. them that there are opportunities in this environment, but you're going to have to find how you get to them? I'm really glad you you noticed that part because that's I think that's one of the parts of the game that I had the most fun making. Right. Um, I I had to build everything from the characters, the dialogue, and the levels. But uh, I, the part I enjoyed the most was when, I, was when I was done with the main part and I could focus on making these little side tracks, these little these little secret things. Yeah. Um, that you can find if you're curious yes and i think that's also what i enjoy the most in games when you get like kind of an an ownership of the experience because um with most games there's like this main story and i feel like oh i don't this is not something i own because i everybody got this when they played the game they got through the main part of the story but not everybody found that little shortcut that little side path into the secret area and stuff and that's when i i enjoy playing games the most myself and that's also what i enjoy offering to the player the most so i actually have a lot of these little things probably some that you didn't find as well um there is a secret with uh, there's a bush in the game <laughs> that if you manage to go through the uh, past it without uh, smashing it. Something will happen. Right. And I've only had a few people notice this, but uh, <laughs> I hope I hope that some people out there find it and then they get a good laugh about it. And, yeah, yeah, because when you uh, see a bush, you blame Zelda for this. You go, oh, you got yeah. to break it up. You got to smash exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Why? It's an intuition. Yeah. <laughs> they've been, we've been doing that for over thirty-five years. Why are we going to? What's, what's going to stop now? Exactly. You, know, you, you you encounter the, you know, you see a pot in Assassin's Creed. What do you do? You smash the pot. Yeah. What do you do. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure some asset designers. They made it. They made it fun to do that, right? So why not do it? <laughs> yeah. how, are you, yeah. how are you supposed to get your rupees without smashing pots? Going into some yes. some person's random home, smashing up all their crockery, <laughs> and then leaving again. How are you supposed That's, to earn rupees? That's how it's it, better than getting a job, right? Yeah. 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 So it's perfectly fine. <laughs> I think they joke about that in Breath of the Wild. I seem to remember they do. Um, yeah. <laughs> I know they do, because uh, that game is terribly self-aware for its benefit. Yeah, um, I love that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, last question. I know mm -hmm. all good things come to an end. Here we are. I love to think it's been a good thing anyway. Um, the key component of Headland is the extremely granular way it treats progression. Can you explain how each aspect of growth to the player growth or character growth is designed and how they complement one another? 
So just to explain further, you can be have more health or have more attack power. But, you know, you can balance the two. I generally balance the two because that's how I play these games. I don't go for one or the other. I actually go for, you know, try to do one and the other and the other just to give me a sense of balance. Um, and then, of course, those are the weapons and the upgrades of those weapons and stuff. So they're all they're all ticking away. All these little, like, bars are ticking away. How have you found designing the game knowing that the player can progress in different ways? while maintaining mm. some sense of challenge. Yeah, uh, it's a good good question. Uh, because I think a lot of those systems came in pretty late in the process, like where we had most of the game already. Right. And um, I, I felt like the game needed... Because I, I really like it when there is multiple ways to progress. Like you can you can gain your levels and... But you can also get a uh, like uh, work to get a better sword. Maybe you get that good sword ahead of time, but you have completed some difficult challenges to get it. So that might you might make the rest of the game a bit easier. Yeah. Um, but I think we hopefully we struck a balance where we're not making the game too easy by achieving the better weapon uh, early. Um, yeah, that's that's my hope at least. Yeah, and also some of the philosophy was that if you die a lot or if you struggle, you'll still get uh, experience points and you'd still uh, progress somehow. So you still get some kind of reward. Yeah, um, and you will get better that way. So hopefully, you can kind of that will help you progress. Um, yeah. That's that was our thoughts at least. Yeah. Let's explore that a little bit more. But it's really about mm. you encouraging the player, not punishing the player too much for failing. They are mm. going to fail because that's the nature of games. You're going to fail. Yeah. yeah. You know, unless it's gone home, which do you know. <laughs> um, but you're going to fail, and that's fine mm. with an adventure game like this. But you're not going to say, well, okay, then you're going to have to go back to the start this is not 1983 everyone you know let's just calm down a bit and mm-hmm. um you just, there's no lives or anything <laughs> yeah it just need to just you you'll get because it's you're dreaming for heaven's sake okay? yeah yeah <laughs> you know, so um it's fine you're having an amazing lucid dream but you're still dreaming and um you, you you're going to get through this and yeah. especially when you start collecting the crystals and it's this really be lovely and that, that's a, that's another way of showing progression not only the character progression but also the world progression because you're actually finding the crystal shards that have been been um scattered throughout the world um and uh, you're just finding them and piecing them together which is basically piecing yourself back together that's the that's the mm. uh like what i can um analogy i can see being fed to the player is that you're trying to piece <laughs> this character's um, brain together to bring him back from the brink from what he feels he's losing something and in turns out he wasn't losing anything at all mm. i don't think i'm exactly. calling anything but there it is um <laughs> so um but uh yeah so headland uh, which is developed by north play great name by the way um, thanks Steph. yeah that's a, that's a good name for a developer we, oft, we always like to ask where it comes from and i'm going to ask it now i mean you could argue it's fairly obvious maybe it's not actually so where where did the name come from do you know uh, it was before my time but uh i've heard i heard the tales okay uh i think yeah they were they were trying to come up with all sorts of different names but i think it's basically just that it's a uh, Scandinavian uh, yeah. game company, right? Yeah. And they liked the the ring of it. And then yeah. my boss, he designed this uh, nice uh, polar bear logo and everything. There you go. There you go. Yeah. There you go. I think it's also a really, really cool name. And Headland is available on what platforms? Well, it's available on the Nintendo Switch now. Mm-hmm. And it's also available on uh, mobile Mm. But uh, I would recommend the the Nintendo version. It it plays a lot better there, and it also has more features. And yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I I've only played the Nintendo version. I must confess. Um, yeah. I mean, I do have a special little backbone controller for my my um, iOS phone, 
And they're oh, great. Yeah. They're amazing. Yeah. They basically cool. turn, they turn your, your mobile phone into a, into a proper handheld controller, a handheld console, because yeah. uh, those phones are amazingly powerful now. I know you know that. Many people don't yeah. appreciate that. They can do amazing things, you know. Um, yeah, we actually had a, a hard time like down, downgrading the, like making it performant on the Switch because most mobile phones almost perform better than the Switch in some than the cases. Switch now. Yeah, yeah. It's People crazy. to remind people the Switch is five years old and go, no, it's not. Totally yeah. is. <laughs> totally is. Oh, that's sad. It's already five years ago. <laughs> I know. Also, it's the previous generation machine now, the current gen which no one can buy at the moment, although I did at launch because of the job. Um, yes. Yeah. You know, it's just like, yeah, it's real, real painful. But uh, <laughs> Christian, it's been fantastic having you on the show. Thank you. It's been fantastic to be here. Yeah, really, really enjoyed it. And uh, more than welcome to come back to chat about what you're working on right now. I don't know what it is. I know you can't tell me. And nor <laughs> should you, because it's probably two or three years away at least. That's fine. But when you know when you're done, come back. We'll be here. Trust me. We've been definitely for a while. But in the meantime, thank you very much. Thank you too. It's been a pleasure. You have been listening to the Sausage Factory podcast, part of the Cane and Rinse Collective. Support us for just two US dollars per month at Patreon.com/slash Cane and Rinse for early, extended, and exclusive podcasts. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Twitch. YouTube and at our website, canarince.com. <laughs>